I'm looking over a four-leaf clover that I overlooked before. One is for sunshine, the other for rain. Third for the roses that bloom in the lane. No use explaining the one remaining. It's somebody I adore. I'm looking over a four-leaf clover that I overlooked before. It's episode 14 of 70 Movies We Saw in the 70s. I'm Mike McPadden. I wrote the books Heavy Metal Movies and Teen Movie Hell. And uh, joining me from Madison, Wisconsin is my co-host. Ben Reiser here in Madison. I am the former lead singer, occasional rhythm guitarist of a band called All About Chad. And our special guest tonight... For our 14th episode, uh, which is appropriate because as Chad and I were just discussing, 14 is probably the age that we were at when we became best friends forever. BFFs, me and Chad Polari. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's all about Chad himself, Mr. Chad Polari, coming to us from, what's the name of that town you live in now? Greenwood Lake, New York. Greenwood Lake, New York. Where's Thanks that? Thanks for having me. That's in... Like 50 miles outside of the city, near uh, Warwick. I'm pretty Orange sure. County? Like Orange County, Orange County, yes. My grandmother lived in Bloomberg. Bloomingburg, Bloomingburg. Bloomingburg, yeah, not too far away. Bloomingburg, yeah. I'm pretty bad. Middletown uh, was the big, uh, yes. the big hub. We yes, would go to Lloyd's happening. supermarket that had a, a pet shop and uh, all kinds of exotic pleasures we didn't get in the mean streets of <laughs> Wallbaums. <laughs> um, oh, and Bohax, as you Bohax. I used to love it. I used to be right across the street from where I grew Bohack. up. Bohax. There was that a was Bohax. Like the junction. Yeah, Bohax yeah, at the, the junction. junction. Yeah. And one of the things we used to tease Scott Kaplan about the most was that he got his genes from Bohax. No, no. Falmart. <laughs> oh, Falmart. Falmart. <laughs> we used to call him Falmart. Falmart. Man. And Falmart yeah, yeah, was also at the junction, though, right? Which is really messed up with us. I guess he was probably low income, and like they were, these are like the most. No name brand, generic, stiff right. looking jeans. <laughs> well, by the way, oh, you were low income hard. too. You weren't punching down, Chad. You were low income, so it was okay for you. I was a little more hip, and uh, I didn't wear found my jeans. You know how my fashionable my mom was. Well, that's true. <laughs> our our uh, the mockery for us was you get your sneakers from the table at Alexander's, at King's uh. Plaza. That's like a Albert Brooks. Sneakers. That's like the Albert Brooks modern romance scene where he's with his brother at the his brother, yeah. yeah. Yes. And then when I was in when I was in Jersey for the summer, if you didn't have name brand sneakers, they called them Bobos. Oh. And my grandfather, when I, I said, I don't know, something to my mother, like, if you don't get me zips, I believe it was, they're going to say I have Bobos. He said, I, I'll write Bobos on your sneakers. Then you'll have a brand. There you go. Yeah. Mark 5 I used to wear. Mark 5 were my uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. cool oh, brand. Yeah. By the way, I don't know what zips are, Mike. What the hell are zips? The big Z. They were like uh, running shoes for kids. Zips the big Z, and they showed the kids <laughs> making Z's. The kid hit a home run. Where was this? At, 
This is on uh, the television. <laughs> on I commercial. Z. The Zips. It's I don't know the Zips. Z-I-P-Z. Zips the big Z. That's what now, I wanted. Ch- now, Chad, we've probably mentioned on just about every episode of this uh, podcast so I'd far. I'd say. He is, uh, he is the glue, uh, one of the one of the glue sticks that, <laughs> that kept our whole gang together. Looks incredibly um, handsome, really. Oh, just stop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, sheesh. Here's no. the thing about Chad, was he started losing his hair in high school, but now, 40 years later, <laughs> he hasn't lost any more hair than he lost I mean, in high school. that's a cloth, man. Yeah. No, it's very thin. It's very, it's very thin. Well, that, that is funny, because... Right, Ben Ben Reiser had a famously thick head of hair, and no one ever thought he would lose it. And then uh, look what happened. Yeah. Alan gave up early. Ben Levitt was losing his hair when he was like eleven. Matthew <laughs> Matthew's little Matthew's thin, and Yoon's uh, Yoon's hanging in there. But Ben Levitt, who lived with me and Alan, I know it was. Uh, I you know I, I anyway he yeah he he used to lose hair regularly i'll just say that <laughs> but he looks the same he looks like when he was 20 he still looks the same now yeah but you, was, you guys have to have ben on ben is, he's your biggest fan of this podcast he's yeah, dying no, we're gonna have him on we're gonna have him on we're gonna have him on because we just heard a great story about ben levitt and and gemini the broadway show that we that yeah. was commercial we quote from uh more than anything um, else i right chad don't you think that that's that that's what we've quoted more than anything else in our lifetime this is the two we would say that course. a lot as we were shoving food in our face in the arch diner at uh, 11 o'clock at night and we'd be like i'm not hungry i'll just pick that was yeah. a big thing with us we we, we we would eat ravenously and try to steal each other's food and stab each other with forks and we would have bit, well we didn't have that much money so we had matzo ball soup bagels uh the disco fries, as they call disco them Disco fries is what they evolved into, yeah. Right, they didn't, they didn't call them disco fries back then. And we would uh, then we would annoy the waiters and waitresses by pouring all the crap on the place after we finished them. Salt, pepper. I don't know. We just did that. Just I don't know why we did that. Well, that you had, you in particular had a crazy way of eating. You would cut up all your food into tiny little bits before you would eat any of it. And also ketchup would go all over everything, yeah. no matter what it was. And then I would eating. shovel everything in and eat an incredible amount of food and finish everyone's plate. That's right. why they I, had to protect themselves because halfway through, I'd be trying to grab the extra yeah. bits. Yeah, we all sat like this, like we were in prison, like Alec Baldwin does in Miami Blues. It was really Blues. traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> you would I think we grew it. up in the, in the fucking <laughs> ghetto <laughs> or like the Holocaust. We were like, yeah. don't touch that food! <laughs> We said, I said in the last episode that your entire personality was built around the line, um, I'm not hungry, I'll just pick. Like, that was that was the essence of you. Right, and that was like this, the guy from, you know, Diana, Paul, I was like, Paul, I'm like, are you going to finish that? Are you going to finish that? Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing, you know, as we, as, as the, as the backstory behind this podcast sort of um, gets told in little increments and pieces. I think the main thrust of the, 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 the story that, that I tell about Mike and I and uh, our lost years where we didn't talk to each other from like 1990-something through 2000-something um, is that uh, I, I missed all of the sort of uh, Mike's real meltdown years. And, and I fun. didn't really... What? It was fun. <laughs> yeah. I missed Mike's fun years, uh, and uh, but that I but that but that you know looking back on it, I I felt like I got out at the right time before I really had to make some tough choices, you know, and 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 be mad at him for le- legitimate reasons. 
Um, you know, and I sort of, and I always say to Mike, like, I have nothing but good feelings about you, but, and that's true, but, but it's unfair for me to like paint this portrait that like, once I stopped talking to you, like we, I'd never, you know, had any ill will towards you because there were a couple years, uh, right after I stopped talking to you where Chad and I were, were in this band at that point called all about Chad and, Mike had been on stage with us a few times, maybe only with Tracy Lord's Ex Lovers, which was our first real band. Yeah, um, no, not never with All About Chad. No, hell yeah, Mike, but, Mike was a fixture at the shows. Yeah. But but there was a time there were there, uh, there was the one famous CBGB's Scum Fest. That was the last Tracy Lords gig. I dressed up as Tracy Lords. Oh, yes. right, oh, right, shit. and, and yeah. even that was a Tracy Lords reunion. I think we hadn't played together for right. over a year, and then. Um, With something Alan Broadman. Right. And then Ben yeah. Hamper played a song of ours uh, in Michigan <laughs> and it got written up in the Village Voice or some crap like that. And so we thought, ooh, ooh, ooh. No, we, we got, get, we we got, got some heat together with like Garage Punk or something. <laughs> we became on this like compilation tape that we did. It was the, uh, Scumfest. Scumfest. It was the uh, Roar cassette release. Right. And I wrote this song called Just Another Scum Rock Band, but we gave it to the band. What was the name of Jonathan Ment's band that had Asif and Jason? In it? Slugfest. Slugfest. Thank you. Oh, Look at Mike. Yeah. Mike is yeah. right on top of it. So we gave that song. And then we were really shitty, and then we and we played the song that was messed yeah. up. Well, because they, I think they said they weren't going to play it, or we wanted to. I don't know. No, what, yeah, we just we decided shit. to play it. Was it. Yeah. You gave it to them, and then we played it, and they were like, he even came on stage like fucking assholes. Yeah. But there is videotape of our performance, and I'll try to dig that up. It, I might have put it online already if I had At Seabees? That night? Yeah, yeah there's got, video, video of you as Tracy moly. Lords. I'm wearing my wife's wow. like flower shirt. And <laughs> you had all these props with you, Mike. You were dressed up as Tracy yeah, Lords, which I think you were wearing like a you were wearing like a coconut bra, like a coconut shell bra, maybe, and a <laughs> and a Yeah. <laughs> and like a, well it's it's funny. I, I was uh, I just I had fishnets, a wig, I think. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well Ben, I mentioned you the other night because my son was watching a YouTube video of uh I guess famous singers getting stuff thrown at them on stage. And I was like, there was a great, I said, and I just told, I just said this last night. I said, Ben Riser. And I think Mike supplied the toilet paper. Mm -hmm. I did. That's what I was getting to. He had all these props including toilet paper. All right, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Yeah. We threw toilet paper, rolls of toilet paper out of the crowd. And there's in the middle of one song, somebody hit me in the head with a roll that they tossed back at the stage. And I started. I remember looking at, at the crowd at one point. <laughs> I was fucking drunk, and this is before I even really started drinking. Yeah, see, I don't even think I knew uh, that you were drunk. I, this is the first time hearing. Oh, this. I was fucking shit. <laughs> I know, he was drunk. Oh my god, <laughs> there was no doubt. Oh heavens! And uh, I just remember looking, and it just looked like like a swarm of locusts. All the shit that was flying toward the stage. Yeah, it was pretty. And then and then Ben gave and Ben was like. Fuck you! He was like so pissed off, and then he saw the guy that threw it was a really big, scary-looking dude. Then he like yeah. stopped halfway through. He's like, "You son of a!" He's like, "All right." I, I, I dispute that part of the story, but it, we'll, right. we'll check you know, the video. I, I tell you, we'll I did a, a similar thing with uh, Peter Landau's band The Willies, where they did a uh, they had a song called Tango, which was about this pre-mixed screwdriver that came in a, a bottle, like it was like a you know like a, a, a shitty street bum drink. And I made this elaborate tango costume, and I'd come out and dance like the bottle of tango. And we went to Bard College once, and I said, hey, you fucking hippies, and I threw out a bar of soap. I said, go watch this. Boom, right back in the face, the bar of soap. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> now wait a minute. Be careful this to guy, give the audience weapons. Yeah. This guy Peter Landau, who who's a great artist, and we talk about all the time. You're always. Yeah. I didn't realize that he was in the Willies. He was uh, the drummer for the Willies. Oh, that's a. He Doe was Willies, the original drummer in um, White Zombie. Oh really? And this is one of the funny. Oh. This is one of the funniest rock and roll legends you'll ever hear. This is true. He quit White Zombie after their first record to go play drums for Gigi Allen. He was oh. like, I'm going to hitch my wagon to Gigi Allen's rising This star. has a lot of longevity. Here's a lot of longevity, yeah. this guy. Yeah. He's the Pete Best of terrible um, metal, uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> whatever the, oh, the Willies are what awesome. They're no, great. no, no. I They're mean, I'm Spotify. talking about yeah. White Zombie. Oh, oh White Zombie. Yeah. I love that, that first White Zombie record. That, it's like well, a noise record. Peter Landau really was playing drums. Why wouldn't you love well, it? Obviously, yeah, yeah. He was the key. And he, has he ever got? Yeah, has he ever been back for a reunion or anything like that? Uh, no, but he's still friends with them. He's oh. still uh, he's still buddies with them. Yeah. Does he ever play drums anymore? Yeah, yeah. He has a he has a, uh, a a blues band with his son called the Half Measures. Well, anyway, uh, Simon Landau. Yes. So, oh, <laughs> yeah. We need to get to the movie, but I just wanted to say that that, that the part of the story that we haven't really talked about yet was the was. Was was Mike was um, writing uh, nasty things? We sort of talked about this a little bit. Writing nasty stuff yeah. about us in Happy Land and in New York Press or wherever he was writing, yeah. and I had stopped talking to you. And and the other guys in the band, Asif and Jason, uh, never really were friendly with you particularly. I mean, they they were no. friendly with you in just sort of a casual way, but a passing way. Yeah, yeah you never spent any time alone. But Chad was in sort of caught in the middle because he continued to be friends yeah. with you and with Alan and would hang out with you guys yeah. on a regular basis and would come back to band rehearsal and like say like, oh, you know, Mike is Mike just wrote this about us and that, but was <laughs> but was totally fine with it. And the, and the three of us would be like, dude, you're in this fucking band. Don't you think you should say to Mike, stop fucking around no. and saying bad no, shit about on. us? Yeah, okay. I dispute I dispute the story. You, you and Mike was always your buddy. I always loved Mike. I was, every time I got along Thank with you. Mike, perfectly, never had a problem. Right. And I'm, I was respectful. Then Mike became friends with Alan. I, right. I, really, I didn't really hang out with Mike and Alan. The only time I saw Mike and Alan were literally at downtown Beirut when we would do some type of crazy drunken jukebox nights. We were yeah. there five nights a week. But you, you know. were the we only were member of All About yeah. Chad who was a part of downtown Beirut jukebox nights. Yeah, those are those are amazing. Those those are some of the best nights of my life. Cause I'm a pretty nerdy guy, so that, that was like that was like the wildest. I, that's the wildest I've ever been. And oh, we have a great Ben uh, Levitt story about downtown. Um, really? Yeah, my, yeah. Oh, oh my god! god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Oh yeah! To, uh, <laughs> oh fuck! Sorry. Oh my god! Yeah. I'll save that for you. Can save that for Ben Levitt evening. I mean, but, I don't know. Can, do we do we save that or do we just? No, we should talk uh, well, about it now so then we can confront Ben about it when we have him on. No, yeah. because I don't know this. But, story. You know, in all, I guess I was Team Riser, I, so I had to like I had to like choose. But you. no, so you I were never, not. I was, I was never involved. No, in because it. you would come back to band rehearsals and we would all yell at <laughs> no. you because you just come from downtown no. Beirut and we'd be like, "Why no, are you, you hanging out with those dicks?" Of, you and Mike had a tiff that kind of bled yeah. into the right. the band. I'm saying I was still friends with Alan. So I would see Mike occasionally, but like me and Mike never really hung out individually. As, not as individually, like, no, no. No, but, right. you but even, would, we are, I think we are, we like always liked each other, but we just it's never. Not that, no, it's not. It's not that you would necessarily defend Mike, but you you would refuse to sort of like stand up for the band 
to Mike, and we were always yelling at you. Why don't you go tell him to fuck off? And you'd be like, "Well, I'm I didn't take it too that. seriously. I'm, I'm not doing that." It was more. It was more of a thing with you two. Like I could tell, like he was yeah. just like getting back. See, to you. Like, this is right, exactly so. what you would say, but you'd say that to the, the three of us who were in a band with you. Well, hold on. Be, because well, Mike wasn't. Me, you... Because Mike was not limiting his tiff to just me. He was taking his tiff out with me on our band in public, right. in in the in the pages of the of the hallowed New York press. <laughs> right, and we would. And scream. the more howled happened. But, but literally, yes. how many? Me and the band, ben, we were in the band for what, like thirteen years. Like yeah. literally, all we did was. We had like nothing but arguments. Yes, about, like, that's internal. So, like, that's it, a it whole different whole fucking thing. thing. And like, that is being in a band. That's every right, band right. I've we been just, in. Right. Literally, yeah. So like, it was like but, all part of one. everything else. Like, you know, it was just like uh-huh. part of the norm. But I obviously supported our band, but I kind of, sure I didn't, did. I knew Mike really. I, much, I think I would say to you. Chad, you know, this is not the personal. I'm, I would be like, I'm mad at Ben and I'm trying right, to right. hurt his feelings. Right. And he'd be okay with that. He'd be like, oh, okay. Well, like, I realize you, this everyone... is my livelihood, but it's fine with me. <laughs> and I don't think I ever. It was all because I was jealous. I right. wish I could be in a band that I exactly. wasn't good it was enough. So, it was so yeah. obvious that he was mad that you you guys had some like lovers quarrel, and he was upset with you. So I, was I was upset, like, and I was jealous that you had a band and I didn't have a band. Right. But I also don't think I've talked about with you at really. all that I, or maybe just very briefly, is that we I wrote a song about you, and we had this song in our repertoire. Oh. Uh, oh about God. you, and it was my—it was sort of my revenge song about you. Oh shit! Yeah. I had no idea. What song is that? I don't even know. <laughs> Which one? I can't remember. <laughs> what we song? had this song called "Here I Am." That was all about. Oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Okay. yeah. I, you know, Here I, I am. I'll, t- I'll try to dig that up and send Speaking it. Speaking of oh, songs, heavens. I love your intro song, "Chad's Drive Me Home." Thank you. Oh yes, that's, that's right. so good. Chad man. is an integral part of this. That's show. my yeah. that's my baseline. It's, starting. I gotta say, up. it's real. I love that. So it's really good. Had I been able to hear with pure ears, I'm sure I would have been a fan of All About Chad as well. Well, I'll send you the. I'll send you our whole album. I mean, do you want to? So, what what was the gist of the Here I Am song? (laughs) Uh (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to get too much. No, come on. I mean, here we are. I mean, I'll. I will. I will either I will dig it up and either put it on this podcast and post or send it to you. Kind of like Here I Am, like you know. It was. It it was verses that were Here I Am. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily our best song by any means, but it was, and it wasn't, you know, I should have written sort of like a like a hardcore punk yeah. song about it because you yeah, know, it wasn't, hard, your, it wasn't really your main your main thing about all about Chad was that we were pussies and we you right, know whatever that was my whole thing yeah. whatever hardcore integrity. Oh, that's right, um, and Alan was mad. That's right. That's why Alan quit because we were also getting soft and he didn't want to go with this. Oh, right. right, I forgot about that whole thing. So him, him yeah. and Mike were like team. We were sort of we were listening to like sort of metal and grunge right. at that point yeah he's like these and, guys are pussies and here i am is a pretty sort of a pretty pretty uh pop song like a power pop song it's not at all the music is not at all tough or angry and the, the lyrics are kind of nasty and that's i mean you know I'll, I'll i'll find it i'll dig it up all right well we could just leave it behind then. oh no no, no. no it's like i'm not digging <laughs> up happy land, so. okay well then uh, that's fine that's, that's fine. Should, i should we'll look up some happy land reviews while we're at it Please don't. <laughs> I worked on on Saturdays, and I had to go into work at 12. And I remember being like, she might be there when I get back. Yeah. Right, he liked, I think he had to take her home to like Long Island. I think he did, yeah. Like where were, train, where were got- you working on a Saturday at noon? I worked for Donaldson, Lufkin, and Jenrette, which was a uh, Wall Street firm. I worked Ooh. in the documents library where they had a uh, copier machine that enabled me to set up my... <laughs> publishing empire. Ah, okay. You had free long distance calls and a copier machine. I was like, I'll take it. 
What more right could you on. want? Right yeah. on. And my whole job was uh, like these bankers would call and say, I need the merger doc on uh, Beatrice from January 1978. And I would get a CD and print it out. And that was my job. You know, I had a job one summer. I think it was right before college or maybe my summer after my freshman year. My grandfather had gotten, you know, my grandfather was big into taking car service from um, Sheepshead Bay, where he lived, all the way into Times Square, where he uh, had a, uh, a sweatshop in the garment district. He was, <laughs> an, he was an embroiderer, and he had the like, right. whole, and I worked there one summer, too. But he got me a job with this car service, where my whole job was to sit out on the street all day in the Wall Street area, like around South Street Seaport, and wait right. for car services to come pick me up and my job was to either deliver some legal documents that somebody else had dropped off into their car. Like they would, this, they, these legal firms would hire car services to, to pick up documents and bring them, you know, five, 10, 15 blocks to some other legal firm. And I was the, I was the runner. I was the guy who get picked up a car service, grab this bundle of documents and run up to some high rise um, right. offices and then come back down. But honestly, most of my day was just sort of sitting around outside in the summer heat in, in downtown New York, reading a paperback that I brought with me. And I had like a cassette player Walkman and listening to music and just hanging out at South Street Seaport. And this was before they had built up the seaport. So it was really just like an actual seaport. You know, there wasn't any, yeah. there weren't any restaurants. It was kind of shady, like wasn't it? Like a little scary, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Plenty scary. You can make <laughs> friends there easily. Yeah. Oh, oh Yeah. But I do want to say uh, I'm very happy for you guys that you're working and there's something you guys love. I think that's fantastic that you oh, have been hung in there. All, you guys hung in there all these years and you're working in film, yeah. which is great. But I'm equally excited about the journey that you took on in your life. Look at look at you now. Look at look at where you wound up. Chad is a Chad is a massage therapist, which is maybe wow, the last that's awesome. maybe the last thing I ever imagined he <laughs> exactly, would do. Me too. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I'm also my true passion is I'm trying to uh, install. Uh, I have this thing called Grow Local Greenwood Lake, which I'm really trying to make everyone grow their own food. I'm Boy, that, to, you uh, just can you articulate? Can you say that more clearly? I know I don't like to, I don't like talking about myself too much. Grow local green, Greenwood Lake, Greenwood, Greenwood lake, lake where I live. Okay, so I'm just I'm, uh, an organization which would try to inspire people to use you know grow their own food. I'm, you know, trying to start another community garden, right. you know, shopping at the local farmers markets and farms. That's fantastic. So, and if you visit Chad on Facebook, he does like a monthly tour of his own victory garden, which is <laughs> the most gigantic, crazy thing I've ever seen. He grows like every single vegetable and mineral that you could possibly. That's fantastic. I'm learning. The little God, boy you from look Brooklyn. amazingly healthy, though, Chad. God bless you. Well, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm not that healthy, but I'm trying. He was one of those early adopters of like uh, fasting and and cleansing and all that stuff. And uh, and Alan Broughton, right? He's the uh, he was ahead because of his time. He was also a guy who, even way back in in junior high school, if he ate a chocolate bar, he'd have diarrhea for three days, and he'd have to like <laughs> shove toilet paper up his ass every time we had a sleepover, so he wouldn't like. Yeah, shit we should the show bed. that video, the sleepover <laughs> night video. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so that 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 inspired him to lead a healthy lifestyle. If I may be yes. so bold as to, Thank you. As to that. speak for you. <laughs> but So we're here to talk today about uh, the Groove Tube. We were going to do the Groove Tube in Kentucky Fried Movie, and Mike texted us yesterday to say, this is too epic for one episode. Each one yeah. of these needs its own episode. So this is part one of our tour right. through. We'll have Chad back on in a month or so. 
I agree. I think that there's a two. There are two legendary. Two, two legendary films. And I want to say, and I'll talk a little more later about how I first came in contact with Groove Tube, but but for me, thinking about it, Groove Tube and Kentucky Fried Movie were such, where they, they were the ultimate, like, that was it for me. Like, comedy in the 70s movies, like, that, that was like, th- those are things, like, I sometimes talk about performers who seem to have always been in my life. Groove Tube and Kentucky Fried Movie always seem to have been in my life. It's like, I never knew a time without them. I can't remember the first time I saw them, either one of them, but they, you know, it it was certainly in the 70s, which is crazy thinking about what they are. Um, on the other hand, I feel like I hadn't seen either one of these movies in 35 years and hadn't thought about them at all. And in fact, when Chad uh, suggested them, I was like, oh, really? Okay. Oh, like I, I sort of was like, I don't even, I don't remember how I feel about these anymore and I don't, can't remember anything about them, but it was, it was a lot of fun uh, watching them both again. Um, what's well, the story I'm, with I'm, you guys? I have a great story if you don't mind. Yeah. Now, please. now were these movies, were, were they ever doubled? Were they ever? Uh... Con- don't, yeah, yeah. I forgot to answer that email constantly. They were released, I think right. until 1984 theatrically. Now, so this is a pretty funny big story. Big releases as a double feature. Right. So the college theater, Across the street from my right, house. Right, right. That's where they played all the so, time. Yeah. This is the funniest thing. God bless my mom. She's not with us anymore. And she took me to plenty of movies as a kid. But this is the funniest thing ever. As the only two movies, well, three movies, I guess, that she ever took me and a bunch of my friends to. And I'll never, obviously, never forget this. She took me and a, I can't, I just remember Matthew Shepko and a bunch of other young kids. She took us to the double feature of Kentucky Fried Movie and Groove Two. Wow! Oh my oh gosh! My. I cannot tell Man. you. And she and we sat through the whole movie. Like I don't think I think she was because my mom was pretty. Like I think I don't think she knew what to do with some. I mean, and I, could you imagine eleven years? Well, I think we were eleven. You know, I, I, I can't. I mean, I, I couldn't even get out of the I seat. Can't. And I was just like, right. All my friends are like going, "What the fuck is this?" And this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, especially Kentucky Fried Movie. You know, we, we won't get there. Yeah. The scenes. And so my poor mom, it was hysterical. I was like dying that my mother took me and a bunch of friends and she's like kind of giggling, like embarrassed in the background, like, oh my God. But, she, but we never left. And like me and the other guys, me and the boys were just like sitting there like turning purple. And the other movie, before I forget, and I do Turning again, purple I don't know. what? Turning purple from laughing or turning purple no, from embarrassment? No, very sexy. I mean, no, you know, we're, we're 11 over. years yeah. old. We're like, what the hell are we looking at? We, you know, we're laughing, you know, with the poop, you know, uh, the yeah. stupid, you know, you, you could laugh forever just watching but poop come at, out. At eleven years old, weren't you already in like a full scale romantic relationship in your life? You were an I, early, I, an early starter. I know. Well, we don't have to get there, but oh. still, it was still exciting. <laughs> and wait, listen, the other movie she took me and a bunch of friends to was Caligula. Oh, get out! <laughs> Whoa! Like, so to this day, I mean, I like, mean, you know, they called child protective <laughs> services know, like, for that one, man. And that, again, Caligula. We're just Yes, Caligula and a double feature of Kentucky Fried Movie and Groove Tube. That's what my mother took us. How, how have you been able to lead like a, a mentally healthy existence at all after Caligula? <laughs> Who says I have been able to? Sorry, that, that, that's my that's my story. But can I? Isn't it true about your mom that as a younger a younger younger woman she she briefly was involved in some way with uh, Harvey Keitel? Yeah, she dated Harvey Keitel. Wow. But and, but and then you or she would always call him Harvey Keitel. You. <laughs> Maybe I said I could have said it wrong once, and you just might have made oh, fun of me for the next okay. ten years. Yeah, right. But yes, uh, according to her, he, he was quite smitten with her, and she uh, broke up with him. He was heartbroken. Yeah. Wow. 
So she was a hipster and a heartthrob from, from early days. <laughs> Harvey so she... Cortellia wrote. Yes. Cortellias. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Let's talk yeah, Mike. About the what, movie. What's what, what about you? When did you first see? Group I didn't two? see him till uh, VHS, so it was much later. Hmm. And I, I uh, never, I, I never loved the Groove Tube until today. I always liked it. Oh and my watching god! Watching it today, I loved it. And I always loved Kentucky Fried Movie. It was one of the first DVDs I ever bought. Yeah, it's I interesting. Imagine. The other day, Chad said to me that Kentucky Fried Movie didn't really hold up for him, but that the Groove Tube did. And I watched Kentucky Fried Movie last week and thought, oh, this is pretty goddamn good. And when yeah. I watched Groove Tube today, I was like, I don't know. I kind of think that Kentucky Fried Movie holds up better than Groove Tube. Oh, my God. I love. I, I just saw the, I, I loved every skit of Groove Tube. I loved it just as much. Well, we're going to go through one by yes. one. But I, I mean, and I, I think, I mean, you have to compare them. There's just no way. Um yeah, you know, but it is like the Beatles and Stones. It's like don't I'm not gonna pick the right. It's not Beatles or Stones. It's right. I love the Beatles exactly. and the Stones. Absolutely, absolutely. Kentucky Fried so, Movie is definitely more of like an airplane feel. You know, Zucker Brothers. You know, this. What me, it is yeah. is it's it's slicker and it's more uh, impeccably crafted. Mm-hmm. Right. So in that way, it's more like um, the National Lampoon, which was all about if they were going to do a parody of Time Magazine, it was going to look exactly like Time Magazine. Yeah, right. and, and and this is more like an underground newspaper. Well, but also this is more like a one man. What I realized today was that, and I never thought of it this way. It's like a one man bravura performance by exactly. this uh, Ken, Ken Shapiro. Shapiro. And my yeah. question that I'm going to return to exactly throughout this whole podcast is, what the fuck ever happened to Ken That's Shapiro? That's all I could think about. How to, how he was a he was a okay. performance of all time <laughs> in that movie. I mean, every scene. Voiceovers, physical humor, the writing, the and then he did Modern right. Times, whatever. That's it. And then I know I know quite a bit about Ken Shapiro. Oh, please! I'm so interested. Like, what? Why was this guy not a huge star? Did you ever have so, any personal contact with Ken Shapiro? No, no, oh. no. Um, so he was a child actor, grew up in Hollywood. He was the kid on the Milton Berle show. Who? Uh, the get out of here, kid! You bother me. He was the kid. Oh, wow. He would annoy Milton Berle as the, uh, you know, oily Carl sa- car sale car I, salesman. I never saw. I've never seen that show. No, I don't. No, I don't. I don't know that it exists. Really, yeah, right? Um, so Uncle Milty was uh, his entree, uh, and then he met Chevy Chase at Bard College, and they and another friend moved to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And they started doing uh, improv stuff. Something makes me picture this being like. A house in Flatbush, like for whatever reason, I picture them in like on like the third floor on like East Nineteenth Street in Glenwood yeah. Road. Um, yeah. They wrote these sketches. He uh, dropped out of college. He spent twelve hundred dollars on a video camera, which was completely novel. So they were hippies had started making video. They were the guys in the East Village called the Video Freaks, F R E E X. And so they were doing like kind of psychedelic art videos, and he was like a you know, he was a shtickman, so he started doing comedy bits, him and Chevy Chase and this other guy, and they then rented a village on, four, uh, rented a, uh, a little storefront on 4th Street in the East Village and set that up with three big televisions and called it the Channel One Theater, so it was Channel One. So all these bits were developed as Channel One videos, 
And hippies oh, wow. would come in and drop acid and smoke weed and watch these these sketches. And, but then in this movie, are we watching those original Channel One videos, no. or did they redo them? No, they were they were constantly being refined. Oh, okay. And then so what we're watching is a mix of some of the ones they uh, shot just for the movie, but and then some that were that were done for a traveling Channel One show that would go out to college campuses. So they would just wow. have video screenings on a college campus. So he got uh, his father. He got it was three hundred fifty thousand dollars to make the movie, and he got a really good deal on it. And it just it took off. And apparently, like the gross on Wikipedia is like two hundred million. That sounds accurate to me because it played forever. It played forever. So after the success of this, yeah, this is what I want to know. Okay, he got hired by, I think it was Paramount. I have to look it up. But it was a major studio. He had an office to develop, like, youth-centered movies. One of the first people he hired was Lorne Michaels. Right. So, and this is, pre, this like, leading right into SNL. Sure. And I believe he was online to see Monty Python and the Holy Grail with Chevy Chase when, they, when Chevy Chase met Lorne Michaels and got on SNL. Uh, so he was out there and... You know, nothing came of this deal until Modern Problems, which was a fucking disaster. Exactly. I'm sure it's all drugs. I'm sure it's all fucking cocaine. It's well, that's cocaine. what I'm saying. I did read that he was, you know, that Lauren said, hey, you need to come do this Saturday yeah, Night Live yeah. thing. By the way, we're stealing your entire fucking shtick and making a TV show yeah. out of it. And he turned it down because he had this Paramount deal or whatever. Right. 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 Yeah. But nothing so, ever happened. What What no, year was I'm Modern sure was Problems? Eighty one. 81. So yeah. from 74 to 81, you're saying basically Ken Shapiro just took all his money and blew well, it on cocaine. Well, he would just sort of, you know, it's like Michael O'Donoghue did this too. You write screenplays that don't get produced. You can live on that for quite a while. Ah. Um, but he always was trying to do stuff. He created TV's bloopers and practical jokes. Hmm. So that was his last good fortune. And that... It was a huge money maker because it could. There were then versions of it all over the world. It's that but had it a is a piece of all that. It is sort of amazing. Never mind the writing and the conceptual part of his talent, which is you know pretty extensive based on this film. But his performance chops, his his physical comedy chops, and his verbal comedy chops. Yeah, it's amazing to me that he does not at least get cast in other movies. Exactly. I'm and he's stunned. not like, what's that fucking guy's name who does Between Two Ferns? Like, he's not Zach Galifianakis Zach of Galifianakis, the 1970s yeah. and 80s. Like, he's not appearing My in My guess is that he, cocaine made him impossible. <laughs> because, you know, been. that's what undid Garrett Graham. Like, you know, I mean, so many of those fucking guys just couldn't beat the white lady. No, but I, I get that. But even all those other guys, at least you, you do see them occasionally pop up in other movies. Right, and you're right. like, why didn't they do more? The thing with Ken Shapiro is like, he didn't do anything else. Exactly. He also had a shit ton of money, so he didn't have to work. Okay. Well, that yeah, is weird. Respect. But it looks like he loved to work. It looked like he loved it. It looked like he would like. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he owned I mean, he owned Groove Tube. So, I mean, that was I just a so. money machine. I guess he forever. just wanted to sit back and yeah. Yeah. hang out with the white lady. It's kind of like you wanted know, to dance with the white lady. It's sort of what happened with you in Happy Land, like you know. The Very much, is- yes. <laughs> no, you know what? <laughs> it's it's fucking. You're right. It is 
because I was invited to write to the, for the New York Times and Rolling Stone. I was like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. I'm punk. Yeah. You know? I had to talk with Bob Guccione Jr. once that I don't remember. And I was, uh, I ended up writing for Spin like, you know, five years ago or 10 years ago. But yeah, no, it just, it was a, it was a fucking mess. You're right. But uh, yeah, on a microcosmic scale. Yeah. So please tell me we're going to go through this movie bit by bit, right? Yes, we are. Oh, good. Okay. So that's that's the story of Ken Shapiro. Thank you. And he, daddy's dead. Yeah. So. I mean, but he didn't okay. die particularly recently. young, right? He, no, recently. recently. Yeah, like 2015 or something. Yeah. So. I mean, I think that's it. It's like, you know, uh, Chevy Chase had to keep working. And, um, you know, I think he just. He didn't have to work, and he could just have a drug habit, is my guess. So. Well, I think it's interesting that nobody, and maybe somebody did, but I haven't seen it, that nobody caught up to him late in life and interviewed him and talked about it. I can't find that. anything, but it's yeah. got to be out there. So, And he did, oh, he did a few short movies. I wasn't able to see them. I was trying to look them up, but I couldn't find the... Uh, I guess Look he did a few did. short movies as well, like 10-minute yeah. shorts, it said, like uh, right. yeah, new, the news team, a news extra, or... Hmm. It's probably more Channel One stuff. Yeah. But Channel One was it, it, it very, I should say, very popular, and it ran for a lot of years. And uh, Chevy Chase left early, just like on SNL, and it was replaced by Richard Belzer. Ah, so but then, so it, 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 so are the is the are the Chevy Chase bits in this movie and the Richard Belzer bits from different times, or did they bring Chevy back for the movie? Oh, they brought him back for the movie. Okay. Yeah. And you know Belzer was the warm up for the first few seasons of SNL too. So Oh really? Oh Jesus. It, enmeshed. Yeah. So uh all right, here we go. So 2001 parody opens the movie. Yeah. Okay, I right right away I have a question. This movie was released yeah. in 74. I mean even if it was shot right. in 73, that's still what a good 5 years after 2001. Yeah. It right. seems it seems strange to launch your your movie with with something that seems like stale, even in seventy four. No, I mean, I don't know. Think about the presence of two thousand one in the early seventies. Mm-hmm. Advertise commercials with the the music was everywhere. It was it was Elvis came on stage to it. No, and I don't mean to say stale and that it comes off that way. We're watching it now. Yeah. Watching it today, I was like, oh, this is kind of funny that they're doing it two thousand one. But I was like, wait, seventy four, and I started thinking, had anyone done their two thousand one parodies yet? And were there other 2001 parodies? And I tried to think, was Dark Star... I feel like Silent Running at least sort of like references 2001. And not right. references, but sort of like does that same thing where there's like, you know, you're talking to your yeah. spaceship and it's able to do things for you. Right. And Dark Star might have been a, might have had some 2001 parody elements to it. But was there any... Can you think of any other 2001 parodies? No, probably like Sonny and Cher maybe, like that kind of level of it. But no. No, and that's what's interesting is that I think that a lot of this stuff here is the first time that, you know, real basic comedy tropes of the 70s made it to the screen. And that's probably one of them. And I think 2001, because remember also movies, play, you know, that movie, another one that just was in theaters for five years at that point. Yeah. We just get a and regular then, re-release all the time. That, and that song, you know, is such a classic song, you know, Move yeah. On Up. That's a great song. That, oh, was, that, song. that was done Hitchhiker. before the movie, right? Oh, I no, think that is separate oh, from I the jumped movie. ahead, sorry. That's it during the hitchhiker, yeah. So oh, I, I think the 2001 
it kind of sets like the <laughs> occasionally this movie really lapses into marijuana pacing like it's too slow and it's it's uneven and and, I, and that was my other note is that it also mirrors SNL in that it is crazily uneven it goes from the greatest funniest thing clever to just this is like what the hell is happening here well one thing that struck me was I looked at the I looked at the time and I realized it it was eight and a half minutes maybe almost nine minutes into this movie yeah. before there's anything that really resembles an actual joke or an actual punchline right and even that is just the end of the punchline is just that he runs into a cop who's seeing him naked. I think the punchline is you see his dick, which is really right. shocking. <laughs> At the time, it was especially shocking. You didn't see dicks. But I just want to jump into one little rabbit hole that Please. I went down today, which is 2001 related. It got me thinking about that, which they don't use in this movie, is that that piece of music that Richard Strauss thus spoke Zarathustra. Yeah. Also I, Sprock or whatever it is. Thus right. spake, yeah. Right, right. It's got like three different titles. Yeah. And then yeah. So I was like, you know what? After all my years of knowing that piece of music and knowing 2001 i never understood what the what that title was all about and i was like let me figure out what the, let me find out on google what this was even about and where this music originated from because i know it didn't originate with 2001 so i looked it up and first of all it was a book by nietzsche like a philosophical novel oh wow which i had no idea that was and that was the name of it yeah. and then richard strauss wrote this whole 30 minute thing music piece based on the novel that was his musical interpretation of this Nietzsche wow. novel and but the craziest part of the whole thing is that this musical piece that Richard Strauss wrote is called a tone poem and that's where I really got lost I was like what is a fucking tone poem why are they calling this thus spake the Zarathustra a tone poem isn't it just like a classical musical piece and I I never could quite figure out what the difference between a tone poem and like a suite or anything else is when it comes to that classical music. But this is apparently a tone poem. There you go. That's good. Now we know. Thank you. All right. So, uh, but I mean, I think it's important. It establishes the identity of the movie, which is, this is for you, the hippie audience that grew up with television, then had your mind blown on acid at 2001. So the identity is really established. And then, then you get a picture of like, and here's you and the audience running naked into a cop in the woods with your dicks hanging out. Although I want, although it's weird that it opens with this movie parody, but it's basically most of it is strictly, and the title of it is all about sort of more of a TV parody. So it's kind of right. weird that it opens with this 2001 parody, and then becomes mo almost exclusively about TV. But I think that's head culture. You okay, know, I, right, think but I, I think they're also trying culture. to say like, look at we, you know, we've come this far, and then we discovered this the groove tube or the TV, right. which is really. Kind right. of a stupid little device, but it's fascinated us. And oh, that's us. a good point, Chad. Um, Thank you. I also wonder about <laughs> the psychedelic title sequence that I think comes before the hitchhiker thing, which seems to draw a line between the telephone and the television, which I get because the two words have the same yeah. <laughs> first four letters. But other uh, than that, you know, is there technological leaps? I guess so. I just was. Yeah. I thought it was weird how much how much uh, iconography there was for telephones in that title sequence. Yeah, they were high as fuck too. Those guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So fair enough. <laughs> All right. So we go to the Coco show. Oh, no, well, let's. Sorry. Is there anything no, else that, to say that, that, about wait, the Hitchhiker? That, yeah, yeah. Was that guy Buzzy Linhart? This says in the credits. Was not like a 
a he wrote he was a musician. I know that name, Buzzy Linhart, right? Look at you, Chad. I think wow. I know that name too. Is that the guy who's the hitchhiker? I, I think it says that's the, the guy. Was, that's the guy who's Willie we saw. Wow. But so he was, we he all was fucking in... good cock, man. Like to be outside <laughs> running around. I mean, he's got linked yeah. girth flaccid, man. God well, bless him. I mean, tight balls. I mean, Ken Shapiro had seen Uncle Milty's, I'm sure. So he was. Oh, man, that was what he yeah. was legendary. Yeah. He was a size queen. <laughs> Sorry, so Coco. and actually, that's one of the few pieces that Ken Shapiro isn't actually in. Right? He's not in the right. Hitchhiker yeah. scene. No, no. Um, and but I, uh, you know, uh, maybe the funny. It's not a particularly funny bit of the movie, but maybe the funniest part is them taking off their clothes while they're running through the woods. And that reminded me a lot of the opening of Jaws, but this predates yeah. Jaws, so it wasn't yes. like they were doing yeah. a Jaws parody, right? Right. No. Yeah, no, it was it was a silly, just good music, but a weird, you know. And a shock thing. It's like, we can do right. anything. Anything goes here. Right. So, all right. The Coco Show. Uh, yeah. So, I'm going to, this is probably the very first parody of, like, 50s-style kids shows in a popular culture uh, product like this. Um, you know, it, it it really, it sets up, you know, I, it would then, you know, Uncle, Ed, uh, Uncle Andy's Fun House was Andy Kaufman's TV special, and then the Pee Wee Herman show is sort of the perfected version of this. Right. Um, and this seems and this to be is, referencing, like, Soupy Sales and Bozo. Every local TV kitty show host. This is and, so brilliant. And, and, it's a very, very clever uh, twist where Coco uh, sends the adults out of the room and then reads uh, from <laughs> Fanny Hill. But you're right in that, like it's uh, like we're going to discover in a whole bunch of these bits. They're so they're so insanely influential that their influence almost right. doesn't even hit you at first because it's become right. such a universal trope, and you're like, oh wait, right. this was the first because like I mean, this literally is Krusty the Clown. Yes. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But and he is so brilliant, Kent. Just his his voice inflection is so funny, and his the seriousness and how he goes from the toe, and he's the perfect clown, and then he just t- right. t- shuts it off instantly, and and just it, every name, every word, he like he, he has such a wordplay, like Kippy Pratt. Like I just like I don't know why. Right. Like every name, every word is like hysterical. I, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm immature as hell, but I was cracking up. Oh, and something just occurred to me. Uh, so, you know, this movie came out in 74. It inspired the Kentucky Fried Theater. Uh, do you know where the original Kentucky Fried Theater was? I do Madison, not. Wisconsin. Oh, really? Look at that. The Madison that. students, yeah. Oh, my God. Then they moved to L.A. and they, they bought above that big newsstand on Cahuenga, wow. on Hollywood Boulevard. They had, the theater was upstairs. So I wanted to get that in there before I forgot. Um now I do want to say in my Vincent Camby nit- nitpicky mode that I, yeah. I find this I find the Coco thing to be the first like legit funny thing in the movie. I, and I oh, do, it's yeah it's the first joke really. Right. Yeah. And it's very funny and as Chad says like you, Ken Shapiro shows off his physical chops and also his vocal chops. I love the difference between his high pitched clown voice at the beginning while he's singing the song and then when he drops the act after he sends any, everyone out of the room. Um, right. But also, you know, and this this becomes true of some of the other bits in this movie, too. They're, the internal logic doesn't actually make sense. And I guess it doesn't really matter for comedy. 
But it doesn't really make sense that kids under 10, which are who are apparently only kids left in the room, <laughs> that they'd be requesting these pieces of erotic literature. Like, what do kids under 10 give a shit about Fanny Hill or anybody else? Well, I mean, oh, I, th- yeah, I you're analyzing. You weren't like put- a sexually damaged kid like no, I was. So, right, yeah, right. I would. I would try right. to find shit like Fanny Hill. Exactly. I think you're forgetting yeah. when we were kids and looking back. Yeah. No, I did that, but I don't think I was under 10 at the time. Maybe oh, I, I, was. I was. I was under five. That's so. also the age. He also knows the age where you're responsible enough to know this is wrong and tell your parents. Like he, he has the perfect cutoff of like anyone over this t- age, you can get me in trouble. Like nine years old, I can get away with anything. Well, to me, the choice of Fanny Hill is really what makes it funny because it's yes. not like, you know, you know, jerk off housewife or some porn, exactly right. porn book. It's you know this this classic erotic literature. The next, which is he really was funny. He's like a, smoking the cigarette, yeah, and, he's, and he's smoking. Per- and he's, and when the next book was going to be what Marquis de Sade or something, or uh... yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and I do think. Yeah. I mean, it's it's unfair. You know, it's really saying too much to call it sound design, but I do think. The way he's so closely mic'd, and you can hear every breath, and you can hear every yeah. puff of the cigarette. You hear, yeah. you can hear the, really the smoke yeah. coming into his mouth, and yeah. it's so perfect. Yeah. But then the other piece of internal logic that doesn't make sense to me in my fifty-four-year-old brain is that he almost got busted for doing this, you know. And the only reason he yeah. wasn't busted is because I guess they weren't recording shows back in the day. So why would he be even attempting to do it again? It's like. Well, obviously, that's, you yes. know. I mean, right. I think that's just it's a like, joke. <laughs> yeah. Because like he blames, like, one kid for it, right? Yeah. yeah. He's like, just so guys, can't joke. have that yeah. happen. We almost had a family yeah. come in on us, but thank God they thought it was a prank call. Yeah. Now, <laughs> like, guys, he, get, get your shit oh, together. Oh, that was right. Yeah, yeah. The TV station thought it was a prank call. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Here's the most impressive thing to me about this bit, and they do it again other times throughout the movie. I realized towards the end of it, wait a minute, this whole thing has been one shot which sort of oh. emulates the live yeah. TV that it's wow, trying right. to impersonate. But from the, that whole bit is one shot, from the song to the monkey to the right. how table. Does he, how does he do that in one take? I mean, that's he's jumping wildly, then he just goes straight to that voice, smokes a cigarette. Oh, he's like, oh, we're running late, kids. You know, it's time. Everything's yeah. time. And the whole thing must be, you know, two minutes long. It's like amazing. Yeah. It's kind of a bravura piece of one-shot filming. Really, really well done. And that clearly is the kind of thing. I mean, you can imagine how that would have fucking killed uh, in a room full of hippies on 4th Street watching television. (laughs) Yeah, or for nine-year-old me and Chad at the college movie theater peeing our pants over how funny this was. All right, so then we go to the mouth appeal commercial. This to me is stupid. This is like a waste of time because they don't commit to a better bit. It's like, you know, make it really look like cum or like they're foaming at the mouth or something. It's, you know, well, what, it was what are we doing? You know, it was a good little it's in fine. between. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't, it was still funny. But it reminded yeah. me of something that I saw for real in real life that I'd always thought and have heard about since. And it always seems like this sounds like an urban legend, but I actually saw this happen. I had this college roommate. I lived in an apartment on campus and one of the guys in our apartment, it was me and John Tell. And but this guy, Chris Ahern, and he had a videotape and I watched it. I know I saw this with my own eyes of something that had happened to him in high school. He had been some part of some sort of school assembly and he was a part of some like glee club or some other kind of club. And they did this bit on stage in front of the whole school assembly where they had this table set up with a toothpaste and toothbrush and a, a glass of water or maybe a pitcher of water and this glass 
two glasses. Anyway, one by one, a whole series of high school students, one at a time, would come on stage. They would take the toothbrush and would put some toothpaste on the toothbrush and they'd brush their teeth. And then they'd take some water and, you know, rinse out the toothpaste and spit the whole thing into this other glass that was on this table. And so, like, eight people in a row do this, right? And then Chris, my apartment mate, was the last kid to come out on stage. And his part of this bit was he walks onto the stage and now there's this glass that's filled with toothpaste spit up. And it's, like, full to the top. And his job was to get up on stage, walk over to that glass, pick it up and say, ooh, a milkshake, and drink it. And he did, but it scarred him for life. And so all through college, he he never used toothpaste. He would only brush his teeth with like that, uh, what was it, Dr. Tom's like uh, magic, this like (laughs) all-in-one bullshit. Yeah, like like powder. Um, But I've heard people tell that story about like being in like a sort of a club initiation where you do that thing, where you drink a glass of other people's like. (laughs) I've heard that, but it involved a bunch of guys standing around a cracker. Oh, okay. Well, that's a whole other thing. And I've (laughs) and I've heard secondhand of that actually happening, too. So I don't I think that that's really did happen. Uh, oh, one yeah. of my friends did that at like Cub Scout camp or Boy Scout camp or something. Yeah. But um, but that's what this bit reminded me of. Chris Ahern drinking a, a, a glass of yeah. toothpaste. Used toothpaste. Okay. So now we'll get to uh, <laughs> yeah. Babs and Ray dolls. This to me is like the first just knockout piece in the movie. Just perfect. Incredibly well done. Uh, re- the attention to detail, the animation, the uh, the 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 song whatever it is that kind of chant the way it sounds the way it it's looks like perfect. a it's like a proto rap song and i was trying to think yeah. what tradition are they doing i guess it's sort of like a schoolyard kind of chant you're right yeah but it is right. like the beginnings of rap yeah it's almost like one of those bob dylan songs from the 60s where he's just right. like rattling off all the crazy half words. talking yeah. half right yeah. yeah and what it is it's a parody of uh barbie and ken and it tells their whole like sordid history, the divorce, and uh, very funny with a, a amazing punchline, which is uh, I don't I wish I had written it down. Yeah, yeah. What is they, that? I was just gonna say they have no genitalia. Oh, right. yeah, but they have no genitalia. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I think I thought, I thought it was more like a schoolyard. I didn't, I didn't find it like a rap. I found it more like. Barbie and Kranich yeah. coming down yeah. to say. It's rap before there was rap. That's where rap comes from. That's what I'm trying to tell you, Chad. Uh, <laughs> it was rap. I said proto-rap. Look that up. Proto. P-R-O-T-O. How dare you with your fucking victory So that, garden. to me, really yeah. good. You know, uh, could have been, you know, easily an uh, early SNL uh, bit. Um, so when they had really good filmmakers on there. Uh, all right. So Cramp TV Kitchen. Uh, so this is somebody we just see the hands yeah. just following these hilariously bizarre suggestions. Oh, my God. Like, you know, take it. It's like spread some mashed potatoes on your hands, squeeze the onion, put the onion in a pan of water, pour the water into a bowl, put the put the water back in the refrigerator. Really was, funny. I, I a little too long, funny. but very funny. Yeah. Well, very this, funny. this made and me again, think. The words are great. It's like you know, sponge the yeah. and like the voice. That's probably him doing the voiceover. Again, his voice is just. I don't know. I mean, on. it could be him. It could be. I don't know. Because yeah. it sounds like they got like professional 
commercial people. Right. I, but I think it might have been yeah. him. I don't know. But it was I found it very funny because well, well, it was the, good. Yeah. It had me wondering. I was thinking I started thinking of the comedy mechanics of it. And it had me wondering, do they record the voiceover first and then have and then, you know, shoot the uh, this is another one of these one shot things where the whole thing is happening in real time. And, really? And, you know. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Shit. That and, was a and lot the, to do. Oh yeah, and the, and and you know half of the at least half of the comedy, other than how crazy the instructions are and how horrible the thing looks, is is the is the chef trying to keep up with these instructions because exactly. they're intricate and they're moving fast and they're constantly trying to like get get on top of where they're supposed to be in this recipe. Um, but it also made me think of of again, I think how influential this bit is. Like Saturday Night Live did this a million times. With Julia, Child, you know Julia Child parodies, and um, you know you still see it all the time to this day. There's a something that came out a couple of years ago. Those guys, Tim and Eric, did a right. cooking uh, show parody called Tim's Cooking Tips, which uh, feels almost identical to this in some ways. He was always making a mess in the kitchen, and but, but this is good. Right. Like, I didn't realize Floyd. it was one shot. Like it, it was that was very difficult. Well, it's a parody like, of live TV commercials from the fifties, like the Kraft TV kitchen, where they'd say, "Here's how to make you know a, a right, the lasagna." Kraft, exactly. Right. And, and and they follow just you know they really do try to follow the instructions. Like I mean you know because right. sometimes yeah. those skits give up after you know the sixth thing, but this one stays with the whole time. It's like then you go back to the refrigerator, take out the slightly heated. Yeah. Crafting, and then you take out the apple peel. I let him the hand goes like that for a second, like what? Like you yeah. just like I spent a half hour peeling the apple peel. Now I'm just throwing it away. And I was like, also it, trying to re- I was trying to remember if this was the first time I'd seen something like this, or there were earlier examples. And I suppose there's a couple of I Love Lucy episodes that are built around a similar premise, like where they're trying to. What's the one where they're trying to work on an assembly line? And the, so they're putting chocolates. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's and then the, the, and then the, the one where they're where they're smashing grapes. Like this has some of that yeah. feel. And then of course the Honeymooners episode where they're doing the Vegemite, whatever uh, apple core, the the apple. apple. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like so. I, I think it's also because you know, a lot of um, occasionally, especially like in the uh, East Village, other and and the underground newspapers, they they said that the Channel One stuff was too sticky, it wasn't radical enough, and it's like this guy came from the Milton Berle show, so this is definitely the kind of thing Ernie Kovacs, Milton Berle would have done, but it's his, you know, much more ridiculous and, and gross than they would have done it, but they would have done something similar to this, I'm sure. Right. But I, I do think it was very technically uh, impressive in its simplicity because it was it was really, you know, stayed stayed with it long enough that I found it very funny. I suppose maybe the whole premise of this thing is 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 creating um, parodies of TV shows that they could not show on TV that, you know. Yeah. How do we how do we make this something that you can only see in a movie theater? It's the groove tube. Yeah. Right. So, but they're, uh, but they're okay, also the, making fun of all the of all the very pristine, you know, innocent stuff in society, and they're you know turning it into you right. know the clowns. They're, they're turning that. And, and this is exactly what National Lampoon was doing in print. Was so much of it was rooted in savaging their fifties upbringings. Right. You, you got the uh, the, the Barbie, the Savage. Then you got the, the right. Julia Child's Kitchen. You now you're making fun of the the toothpaste commercial. Now you're turning that. You know, they're kind of just yeah. taking them all and turning them around on each other. Mm-hmm. All right, the Geraton girl with Chevy Chase, uh, you know, sexy nude girl, uh, good punchline, uh, 
you know, no complaints here. Moves fast. But I will say it's interesting <laughs> that Chevy's voice is dubbed, and I wonder was yeah, he I, I was he down, like yeah. too sarcastic and smarmy sounding even back then for their purposes of you know the voice. I, they I wanted. think it was again, you know, like if you're going to do a parody, really try to make it look like the real thing as much as you can. So that's why I think they actually hired the real commercial people to do voices for things. Hmm. But I do agree with Chad that I think that Ken Shapiro was able was enough was a good enough voice actor that he could do some of those oh for sure and i, I don't Absolutely, think he's yeah. the guy who dubs chevy's voice but i do no. think that uh, i do think that it might be him in the in the cooking bit i could be wrong right. i don't know i can't remember okay food for thought which is i thought this was fucking hilarious oh you did uh, <laughs> yeah i thought that was all right you know it was numerous I, at first because I, I watched it twice yeah. this bit i was like this is so stupid. And then the second time I watched it, I really laughed. There's something funny. The lat. Do you know what? Do you remember what the lat very last line of it is? Because I feel like there's a throwaway no. punchline at yeah. the end where somebody says like something about this shouldn't be so so dry. Why is this so yeah. dry? Like yeah. somebody's complaining about some of the food, which I thought was funny. But the so only- what it is is it's a group yeah. of guys in suits, like on a PBS style discussion show. And they're talking about, I don't know, tax reform or something. And they all, they all look the part perfectly, the intellectual yeah. uh, fellows. Right. And they just have, they just bring out like these trays of yeah. pre-wrapped sandwiches. Right. It's like, just kinda it's like firing line or whatever that was. Right. Past these, these trays of sandwiches when they're eating and they're making noise. And it doesn't go on too long. And uh, I did laugh. I did notice that one of the guys was named Dr. Robert Chambers. Yeah, must have gotten I read, some I read, big exactly. laughs circa 86, 87. <laughs> yes, I, I noticed that too. The thing that, the, the thing that I noticed about this bit and then I went and looked up afterwards is the one actor, and he's probably got the least to do out of anyone in the whole stupid bit, is this guy, his name was Fred Stuthman. And he's the only one in that whole panel that actually has any other real credits. And he's been in a bunch of stuff, but... What struck me is the old guy, the, the old bald guy, mm-hmm, yeah. the he old was, bald he was guy. Larry's on the, dad on Hello Larry, right? I remember that. But this guy, he—if you're wondering what he looks like—he's like the perfect cross between that dude Angus Scrim from the Phantasm movies yes. and then Tom Noonan, who's the killer in Manhunter. Yeah. He's like if right. those guys combined, it would be that guy, yeah. Fred Stuff. Do you ever see the Tom Noonan movie? What happened was yeah, that's great. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, but and I got Tom to meet Noonan, him once. He was bizarre. He was so weird. I know somebody who went to he he would do these acting seminars in New York City. He might still be doing them, where like you pay you pay him a million bucks and you get to go into this like acting workshop with him for uh, for days or weeks. Um, yeah, he's got a whole thing going that Tom Noonan, but he'll always be the guy from Manhunter for me. What's the matter, okay, Chad? So- what are you doing over there? Yeah. I'm trying to make sure my battery. I'm trying to ship my battery has enough. Uh, I told you to charge the fucking. Thing. I did, but I, I just hope it doesn't. I can't see the amount of charge left. I'm trying to. This check. might be a three-parter. <laughs> okay, let your fingers do it. So this is a parody of the very familiar "Let Your Fingers Do the Walking" commercials yes. that we grew up with, which was literally a hand with fingers walking across the yellow pages. Which I found to be very funny and clever, and I like how yeah. fast and short it is. But it, it also occurred to me that this is one of those jokes that's completely lost on today's youth who yeah. don't know what phone books are, right. or turntables, or rotary dial phones, or anything. There's, you know, they wouldn't understand you know anything what? about. That's this fine thing. because I fucking hate young people without exception. <laughs> Every fucking one of them. There you go. So, fuck them. 
Okay, now we get Next. to uh, the longest uh, bit in the the dealers in wasted. I found this interminable. Oh, come Not on. Not a single laugh. Yeah. What? I remember really liking yeah. it as a kid, but I also found it interminable. And that's the thing that I think Kentucky out of all the things these movies have in common, yeah. it's the it's the thing that both of these movies their centerpiece bit. In this one it's the dealers, and in Kentucky Fried movie it's the Bruce Lee parody. Those are the least funny parts of either one of those movies. In my I'm sorry. I, I yeah. really like I like the deals, I would, guys. I disagree with you. All right. No, I mean, you know, we're not, you know, nobody's saying you're wrong. But what, Richard, so what? Richard Bell, I mean, I just thought it was, you know, very funny characters, very comical and the, the shit they go through. I, you know, nothing brilliant, but, you know, I, I find it, I found it entertaining. And, you know, Ken Shapiro. I, my notes they, is yeah. this is sloppy and it's hippie sloppy. It's not punk sloppy. And hippie sloppy is too gross for me to enjoy. <laughs> Well, here's two things that I think are interesting. It's supposed to show, right? Yeah, you know the the messiness. You know, I think Bell's is you know the whole scene in the movie theater and the come on the cop. That guy's a fucking cop. Did you see him when they go in the bathroom? They all right, flush flush the shit down the toilet. Yeah, and then you know the whole you know. I I, if I I was stoned out of my mind in. On East Fourth Street, watch this. I'd I'd have been pissing on the floor, so (laughs) laughing so hard. I was straight and I enjoyed it. Here are my notes about this section. One. Uh, it, the we get to see what it's like to watch Richard Belzer make out for five minutes. Like that's like a yeah. total. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing performative about that. That's Richard Belzer right. making out with some woman in right. a movie. But it's, but it's funny. I'm watching Ken Shapiro next to him, starting to squirm and raise up and down with him. You know, that was a pretty. Uh... Well, again, Ken Shapiro is a proto incel in that scene. <laughs> like he is. Right. He, yeah. he he can't get laid to save his life. The other thing is that as as bad as I think this bit is too and unfunny. On the other hand, it seems like Cheech and Chong's entire cinematic career is lifted whole from this bit. I mean, you put Except Cheech and Chong in the, these roles. Yeah, but what's difference first? I think they were me, around already, weren't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. they were doing. They but were, they hadn't you know, made this, any of their movies yet. No, the movie was seventy eight. But they, I mean, this may even be like an acknowledgement of Cheech and Chong. But why those movies work is because they're real fucking movies. It's like you can't just do this. I mean, you can, but. It's just this hippie nonsense in the middle of, of all these other well-crafted uh, pieces. Right. The other and thing that was I, fine for the audience. And the, the, I thought the animation was fucking disgusting. Yeah, the psychedelic <laughs> animation. Yeah. What do you mean disgusting? You it was disgusting. The, uh, it was nauseating. Well, again, it was doing a little drug trip and there. You know, it was, no, believe oh, me, it was perfect for the time. But how nauseating was so much of our childhood? Yeah. Absolutely. Like you look at adult culture and a lot of times you'd be like, this is, I just want to barf. No, it's, you know, it's like Yellow Submarine is some of the shittiest animation you'll ever see. Yeah, but I this, disagree. I love it. But this makes Yellow, Yellow Submarine. Submarine look like yeah. the greatest animated film ever made. I love Yellow Submarine. Uh, On I, acid I, and off acid. But you know, it. this kind of looks like Ralph Bakshi style animation, if we're going to be honest about it. Yeah, it's like Ralph Bakshi, like rotoscoping a Peter Max painting and shaking it around. <laughs> yes. So the other interesting thing for me about this whole bit was Belzer getting up and down from the toilet because I kept wondering if, if he had had one or two balls at this time in his life and if we were going to get to see <laughs> what the story was. I think he had two. He had two at that time. I think, he, I think he was sporting a full sack at that point. Yeah. And the other thing that occurred to me was that in the, at this time in his life, J- Belzer looks like if um, Jerry Lewis... Uh, Jackson Brown and Robbie Benson had like a three-way love child. That would be Richard <laughs> wow. Belzer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I found it funny. He's okay. like, I really so, love you, man. 
And then who, who was it sponsored by at the end? Like the uh, anti-drug uh, or Christian yeah. something? All right. <laughs> yeah. I'll st- all I right. stand alone. I'm standing behind that. It's all right. right. Good. It's all right. Wear it proudly. Butts beer, I thought, amazing, perfect. Uh, an angle that other parodies wouldn't take at that point was to show, like, you know, the stupidity and machismo and violence connected to uh, not just beer drinking itself, but the whole culture around it and beer commercials. Loved the song, the jingle. Yeah. Loved the tag, which is the, the president of beers. <laughs> so just perfect. And, and what it is, you- it's a parody of like, a you know, when you say bud kind exactly. of thing, but it's it's just a bunch of men, like big, beefy, hearty men in a bar getting drunk and beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> and like la- loving it. Hey, guys, let's do it tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Ben, okay, what'd you Channel think of the One Evening News. Oh. oh, no, no, the news. All right, go ahead. I, co- completely great. Loved it up until the, the, the gag of him crawling away, which went on too long no that was brilliant uh, it Come went on, on too long at the same time not long enough like exactly. if they had committed to making it truly in, insanely long it might have worked but well i think if he uh, had committed to sitting perfectly still and right. not acting and doing shtick about him yeah. feeling yeah, uncomfortable so. that might have been more fun but, right. but yeah they, 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 did you think so the news the actual news stories were funny i can't remember well, i thought the funny it. names were fucking yes. great Come on. You know, and, suck, and they kept they kept they kept at a level that made me just keep wanting to hear more and pay attention. Yeah, it was totally immature. And I obviously. guarantee Chevy Chase wrote those. That's very Chevy writing. Uh, right. The war footage was hilarious with just the guys the fucking clowns around with the coming out with the cannon. Yeah. That yeah. was brilliant. Yeah, and but Thurston then Belzer is the president. I didn't get the, what, what the joke oh was God. behind that. I guess that was, she was supposed to be uh, a gold in my air or something. Or uh, who was yeah. the. Uh, she was uh, Indira Gandhi. Indira Gandhi. And gold in my ear <laughs> together. <laughs> And that's Ken Shapiro getting molested by. So Belzer there is doing the proto Adam Sandler character. Ben, when he's he, great. When, when Bells is the prostitute and he, and, no, and Ken no, Shapiro is so brilliant. Yeah, I don't. Like, yeah. I don't he must weigh like three pounds. Like he he's just like gave his body up totally. Like Bells is just right. throwing him around and like Ken Shapiro does not lose. Well, let's like, just I, say I can't believe he didn't break at one that, time. That this that this news story is Ken Shapiro is an undercover reporter. <laughs> Spending some time with a hooker, and the hooker is played by Richard Belzer, and he's in blackface Black and drag. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. both Richard Belzer's, I think, best bit in the movie oh by far, god. but also his most troubling yeah. at this time. Yeah. Oh my god, they cannot make that skit today. He's just like, I'll ride you all night, baby. Like, I, he's so I did think that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. But, and just Ken uh, Shapiro, just like not breaking character, and he's. Bells is ripping a shirt off and throwing him down, pulling his pants down. But Belzer, as the president, is like Billy Madison. He's doing that, okay, everybody. Yeah. He's doing that Sandler <laughs> exactly. voice. He's obviously been like, uh, what did they say? They had 15 assassination attempts this week. Or that something? was so fucking funny. Yeah. Okay. Um, the, Ura- the series of ads for the Uranus commercial. The first one, very estab- establishes uh, eye-catching. Would have worked on his own. It's just a weird piece of... Uh, semi-animation where you just see a doll, a bridge, a chicken, all these products. <laughs> well, that, out of everything in the movie, that's the one bit that feels like, oh, yeah, I could have walked past a shop, a storefront in the village with a TV in it and seen that and thought of it as an art piece. <laughs> that's really just like an art yeah. piece. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then the, the, so then the second one is one, probably, you know, arguably the best remembered bit in the movie, Brown 25. <laughs> well, I have a, I have a, a an alternate, um, candidate for that but go ahead 
All yes, right. it's good. I, it's it's, it's just a simulation of turds coming out of an ass that is just astounding. Really funny. And again, but by and the, the way, whole, and, and the voiceover is perfect. Again, it's totally straight. Yeah. Yeah. Totally, you know, and the perfect corporate music. And like, this is really going to be a product that's going to save the world. And it's so versatile. All all those Uranus stuff are great. And then the last Uranus one is the Mayopac River, which is disgustingly polluted. <laughs> and this to me was like another level. This was like genuine satire. Yeah. Yes. Where, um, you know, and they say Mayopac, where we this is where our headquarters is. We hired the best minds to come up with a solution, and they came up with this ad, and that was it. <laughs> and then the last, the and then the tag is uh, you can put your trust in Uranus. Yeah, you know, and there is a, <laughs> that's a great line. And there's a, I read the New York Times review of the movie um, written by some guy, Howard Thompson. I don't know who he is. They reviewed this the Monday after it started playing in New York City. Uh, but one thing he says, which is interesting, was he's talking about the torrent of commercials gets tiresome, especially one product extolling and showing human excrement and at first i thought i wonder if he thinks that that was real shit and then i'm watching and i'm thinking i don't even know either because it's pretty great i mean it looks yeah. pretty fucking it's, a, it's an amazing visual effect whatever that is round 25 right and of course i do that's the most of course my immature brain beside seeing remembering naked women was remembering cracking up at the shit coming out of the tube but i, I do want to mention this is really silly but i just i thought that was Cracking up with one of the Soviets' name was Scratchinich from that news thing. <laughs> that was, <laughs> I thought every one of those names was great. Anal nitrate, Scratchinich, yeah. Sukmuktuk. So, all right, now we get to international sex games. Yes. So uh, it's got the Wild World of Sports intro, which is uh, very good found footage. And, and uh, they, that stuff was always around when we were kids, remember? I was thinking the guys trying to build flying machines <laughs> that you'd see crashing into like the exactly. lake and yeah that seems so that like some of that footage seems like it's from like that what was it the cbs afternoon movie on <laughs> on the weekends had some of that shit and what was uh, his name it was uh kurt stem and christina bush were the two uh lead characters very well thought out names in the whole in the whole movie and that's like a real porno movie right that we're watching i don't know i guess I don't, so no, I don't, I don't you think know. that that no, was? I, I, don't I don't think, think that was shot. I don't think that was no? shot for the movie. No, I don't know. I don't know. That, it's that got a different. A that's got a different look to it. That looks like. Yeah, it does. And, and what it is is there's there's sportscaster commentary over a man and a woman having sex, and uh, every time you get to the good parts per se, the image goes out, but they're still talking over it and describing it. They're like, "Oh, that's uh, a beautiful." I thought it was plunge. funny. It went on too long though. But and I think it was great that they had the. Uh, I guess a Mexican guy with him, like, you know, show the, it's a, a yeah. real international sporting event. But again, yeah. the, the words are great. Uh, what do they have? I love French grazing. Like they had, they had, they, they, you know, like a sporting yeah. event, like a, like a skating event. It's good. They, it's very they, clever. It's well done. Yeah. The, and again, I do they, believe they, that that again is Ken Shapiro doing. That yes. That's definitely Ken Shapiro. I'm sure. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, he's going in for a, a luge now, a double luge. And he's like, Oh, that's, that's a good one, Joe. That, see, Chad, that's the part I can't imagine you sitting next to your mom in a movie theater and watching was that Wild Bull. Yeah, well, yeah, tell me about it. And what about Kentucky Fried Movie? <laughs> <laughs> Kentucky Fried Movie is just boobs. Wow. Well, still big it's ones. A, it's 
yeah, dynamic. Ushi the guard. Legend, right, we'll legend, legendary boobs. Yeah. John Landis yeah. is one of the greats. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Democratic mumbles. Now, this is like hippie slop that I loved. This was fucking great. And it's just a perfect edit to de- Democratic politicians uh, talking, but their their mouths are just synced to an insane old nonsense song. And by really the way, funny. this is now 90% of like the non-porno section of the internet. Like this is yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what comedy is these days, is this. And I, 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 I'm pretty sure that was the Watergate trials as well. I think yeah. that was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I'm looking over a four-leaf clover, which is uh, Chevy Chase singing while Ken Shapiro slaps out the beat on his head. It's fucking great. Totally great. Total hippie improv vaudeville. Completely awesome. And again, Ken, Ken Shapiro is just so straight-faced and so... And even at the end, he just kind of goes and, you know, Yeah, he punches him in the head and knocks him off the thing. And, you know, that was the that was the bit they sent out to promote the movie, like on television. I think it's perfect. Yeah. Think it conveys what the movie is. Yes. It made Perfect. me. It made me wonder about sound effects because are, are those real slaps that were here? I wondered that too. It was, I hurt I like that hell. was real. He yeah. was really whacking him in the head. I bet out. you he took it. Yeah, I bet you he was. He was up for it. Yeah, he like became a, a pill. He's like, just go for it, Ken. Don't worry about me. Just think about like SNL. He would just break his back every week. So, Chevy. Uh, safety, Sam. Okay, <laughs> now this. Is my this is the most memorable part of this movie? This is this whole movie to me, and I'll say why. Because long before I saw this movie, because you know, I, 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 there's no way I saw the original '74 release, but I, you know, I saw. Right. I probably maybe I maybe I didn't get to see it until it was a double feature with a Kentucky Fried movie. Um, I'm pretty but sure that so happened sh- immediately. That was like '78. As soon yes, as Kentucky Fried right. movie was in second run. But right. what I, I did what I know. But what I did, what I did know, it was my, my the guy who lived down the street from me, my best friend before I met Chad, was this guy Steve Ment, and his parents had a great collection of porno magazines that we would check out all the time, and in particular, we had one issue of I don't know what it was, I don't know if it was Playboy or Penthouse, it might have been Penthouse, but it, I remember this one issue and we poured over it all the time, and it had first of all, it had like a three-page spread about Flesh Gordon. Which was another movie. Okay, that that's I, Playboy. That's Sex and Cinema. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, damn. He remembers and the so issue. I, I, so it must have been the same exact article that had uh, a still yeah, image of the Dick and Balls guy. And so all I knew about GrooveTube was this Dick and Balls guy. And I, that picture was seared into my brain. It was like, this is the most brilliant thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And so I spent the whole movie, the first time I was watching GrooveTube, waiting for that Dick and Balls guy. And he didn't disappoint <laughs> when he showed up. It's shocking. Still, I can only imagine at the time the impact it had. Now, here's so my question. Is, is, Do you think yeah. it's Ken Shapiro's dick and balls? Uh, He's got a little that. tiny dick, whoever it is, which um, is the seems only like way it works. He looks like, someone, he, looks like yeah. he has a small dick, yeah. so I think it's Ken. Yeah. Oh, was it? He's got a grower, not, not a shower. You know, you know. Certainly not Buzz Selwig or whatever his <laughs> name was from The Hitchhiker. Yeah. Was yeah. hung like a... Buzzy Leonard. Well, go ahead. Talk about this, Mike. Uh, so it, it, what it is, is it, it, it's tough to describe. <laughs> it is <laughs> <laughs> sort of, cause it's a perfectly crafted little puppet sitting on a bench, but the puppet's uh-huh. eyes and, and face, his whole face well, is it zooms in down. slowly. It, it's a slow yeah. zoom. So the puppet is, it's just, it's somebody's testicles and penis. <laughs> 
And they're obviously like on all fours behind the puppet stage. But it's a nice little street scene in front of it. He's sitting on a park bench. Talks, yeah. yeah, he's on a park bench. Somehow as he talks, the dick moves up and down. Like it's a mouth. He's talking about venereal disease, I think, right? And he's talking about venereal disease. And it's just... But, but it's great because you don't realize... You know, the camera closes in. At first, you don't realize it. And as it gets closer... Right, you're like, right. You're it like, takes you're like, a wait. minute. You're like, wait, is that? And you're like, no. Yeah. And then it's like, wait, is that? Yeah. yeah. And then you're like, holy shit, it's someone's dick. So that's just... Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's stupefying. That is an achievement. That's well, immortal. And it's got those yeah. little googly eye stickers stuck yeah. onto they the They shake around. Yeah. The eyes yeah. Google around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, so here's, I don't know how he got his dick to flop like this, especially because it's like a, an inch long. Well, you know, uh-huh. probably simulate the mouth. Yeah, he's, just, yeah. he's shaking it, you know. Yeah. Um, but here's my question, though. So I so I did get to fulfill my destiny by actually seeing Groove Tube after <laughs> after staring at this fantastic picture. But I equally loved every still that they had from Flesh Gordon. But that's a movie that I never did get to see. Has anyone ever seen Flesh Gordon? You didn't? No, I don't oh, think I've seen so. It Twenty times. I was oh, really? say Mike seems to be a very or Chad. Yeah. Did we rent it once from like the one video store we used to be able to get pornos from that was on Flatbush Avenue? Maybe I saw it once or tried maybe, to watch I it. I, I don't I know. Don't, maybe I see it, but I, I can't recall. But I'm pretty Is sure it, we saw Groove Tube together at your house or something at one point. But I can't. I think I, I had them both on the same VHS tape this and yeah because that was an early vhs like must rent yeah flesh gordon yeah yeah oh no 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 not flesh gordon no i yeah i didn't yeah how is it is it good uh yeah it's okay it's pretty good (laughs) or is like the best of it in the playboy spread no no it's it's pretty good the the creatures are great the penisaurus the monsters the stop-motion monsters are awesome right and uh, i did see it it's good i'm a fan okay so all right, and then the closing bit of the movie is just you, just me. I loved it, completely loved it. And again, this is all about Ken Shapiro's performance. And what it is, is he's wearing, it's like a pink suit, and he's just boundlessly singing this old uh, you know, like you, 1920s just right, standard. Just going up to people on the street, unsuspecting, not knowing what the hell is going on and singing this. And it's it's just perfect. But he's, in a, even, he's like even in an oversized suit, like a kind of zoot suit or something, or like right. a businessman Yeah, it's suit. like a big pink suit, yeah. And he runs, he, he takes a nice fall, but he just pops right back up as he's yeah. He falls he's into like, the bushes at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think that's the most famous scene. Going into the fountain. I think that's yeah, the most yeah. famous scene. Yeah. Uh, that, is it? You know, like, well, I think you've, you've seen that a lot. I mean, I, I you know, when you, when you put up Ken Shapiro, like that's going to pop up yeah. as huh. the scene. I gotta say, in a movie that we're obsessed with on the my, on the uh, crackpot cinema, Dynamite Chicken from 1970, Ron Carey, who you might remember was the uniformed cop on, uh, yeah, Barty Miller, yeah, he yeah. was also like a counterculture comic, but he um, he does it. He does a bit dressed up as a priest smoking a cigarette, where he dances just like that all over the steps of St. Patrick's Cathedral, huh? With people just wondering what the hell is going on, so. Huh? Maybe That's homage, but this yeah. thing has that that bit has you know Sasha Baron Cohen, Borat, yeah. and yeah, and and that right. Billy Eichner guy who runs around the streets bothering people. It's got the Boy, you I know fucking hate that guy. But you're right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. Dude. How do you feel about it, Mike? <laughs> oh man, uh, even a little hint of like the opening of La La Land. Uh, I mean, yeah. is another yeah. thing that seems like everyone has taken from over the years. Yeah. So you seem to love it pretty much, I guess, except for the dealers. Yeah. 
even though I like, but, and, and as Ben says, that's the thing that sticks with me always. I, Since I saw that movie, where is, I, I don't know why we never saw Ken Shapiro again. That bothers the hell out of me. It, it always did. I was like, where is this? How could he not ever appear anywhere ever again? Just kind of crazy. I, you know, some people are real fucking assholes, and that's just what happens. <laughs> I mean, that's really it. Yeah, I would you love know, to see that's the story of Gene Shepard, right? You know, Gene Shepard had uh, all these Hollywood opportunities, and he was so fucking unbearable as a human being, he blew them all. I didn't he know that. Was, he was supposed to narrate the Wonder Years, and he met with, and you know, Spielberg produced that show, so they flew him out, and he met with Spielberg. And Spielberg called the creator of the show and said, don't ever fucking do anything like that to me again after that. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, he was a fucking nightmare uh, but you think someone, his life. But do you think someone with such a great sense of humor can't, couldn't be such an asshole? But maybe he was. Well, Gene Shepard's a fucking genius, and he's a, a nightmare. Uh, Gene no, Shepard. He also, he also denied his kids in his will. He abandoned um, his family. Who, wait, what did Gene Shepard do? I don't. Why do I not know Gene Shepard? Gene Shepard is the guy. He was. I can't believe you. You didn't listen to him on the radio like I did all through your childhood in New York. He was a radio personality. He was a rack on tour. He would tell stories about his childhood, and he's the guy who whose story and who's the narrator of Christmas Story, which is a oh. movie that I don't like at all, but. That's Gene Shepard. I Shepherd. love Christmas Story, and I, I completely love Gene Shepard. But Gene Shepard, to me, yeah. he's a genius, but sort of like the Howard Stern genius, where he's a genius at this one thing. And right. it's not like, right. I mean, it's true, they made some... They made I some, like those other, the PBS movies, too. Yes, I love the too, PBS yeah. movies, and I appreciate that people like Christmas Story. It's fine. Right. Um, so, so people were able to adopt his right. stuff and turn them into yeah. other good, good forms of art, but... You know, other than his voice and his way of telling a story, I don't know what else he has to offer. You ever read his books, his novels? No. They're good. Oh, they are? They're oh, good. okay. In God We Trust, all of this big cat. Yeah, I mean, they're his stories. Right. But okay. they translate well to the page, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he, uh, you know, he went off the air in 77 and, and did Christmas Story, and then he couldn't capitalize on Christmas Story. But it's another case of... He owned Christmas stories, so he made so much fucking money off that. Right. Oh, but when he died, he has a son and a daughter. He abandoned his family. Ouch. And when he died, his will said, uh, you know, he was giving his money to his, his third wife or whatever it was at that point. He said, as I have no living children. Ow. So, yeah, apparently he was a fucking nightmare. I would imagine Ken Shapiro was something like <laughs> only cocaine. But we're not saying that just because you're a nightmare, you can't succeed in the entertainment business because that's not that's true. Fun. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's plenty of assholes. <laughs> no, that's true. I that's mean, true. look at Chevy Chase. Yeah. Uh, he, we don't have to go no, very far right. to, yeah. to look yeah. for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're completely right. Yeah. Yeah, he seems to burn all his bridges. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, uh, but I think, that, I think that happens sometimes. You just can't get the deal. Well done. My phone's probably at one, but uh, thank you guys very much. This it's is working. Thank you. This is great. We'll have Chad back for Kentucky Fried Movie next time. You're a natural. Yeah, you're great. Thank you, guys. Absolutely awesome. Next time Kiss. in person, you. you give me a massage while we do the show. Yeah, I'll give yeah. you a happy ending. Please do. Later. <laughs> I remember the last time I talked to you, you had just massaged uh, Robin Quivers and Mr. X. Yes. She was, well, I didn't she's know ready. you massaged Mr. X. No, no, I didn't. But my uh, partner massaged Mr. X. I massaged Robin. But obviously that was, not that great. That was one in den. You never, yeah, you never, never called me back. back. Wow. I tried. Shame. She's strong. She's a tough lady to massage. Yeah. And you're like 100 cats walking around the house. All right, guys. It's been, it's been real. Thank you, Chad. All right, later. 
Thank you, Ben. God bless Bye-bye. you both. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. See you. Put on your walk-in